You know, that's a, I've been battling with, with both philosophies for, for a minute. And, you know, the best way that I can answer that is how I look for salespeople now in my business is I look for people that uh, have had a, had a fucking problem, dude, that woke up one day and they're like, dude, I've had it. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm killing myself and I'm becoming a new person today. Uh, Cause that's exactly what happened to me when I was in New York. I was like, dude, I'm just, I'm done earning 45 grand a year and, you know, just slowly bearing myself into debt and not really being able to do the things that I want to do. And so I had that like a really hard time where I struggled for a bit. And like, I woke up one day and I was like, I'm changing everything. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. And here we are back on another episode of the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. And I've got Jordan Stupar here with me, the CEO of Stupar Enterprises, proudly serving over 15,000 salespeople in counting and Stupar Sales Academy. What's up, brother? What's going on, my man? Thanks for having me on here. I'm excited for this. I thought I was pretty excited right when we started off. We kind of just uh, said that we both had the U.S. Constitution book up there, right? So make same some- book. I got it right there in the background. Dude, that's awesome. By the way, everybody, we're kind of dealing with a little bit of... Uh, internet connection we should have plugged this computer in so i'm sure it'll maybe go in and out we'll try to do our best to go from there but i wanted to let you know something i did say that uh when we had talked before we talked about the third gear of a porsche and why is it so long and the reality is most people (laughs) most people don't hit that third gear and they're afraid of it but those damn cars are made for it right (laughs) that's right the thir- third gear on, on a Porsche is uh, intentionally long uh, so that you can, just, you can just get out of a corner at pretty much whatever speed you're going at. So let's talk a little bit about uh, sales. I think that something that um, is, is in your, your breadbasket, um, my first question is, what did you sell first? My very, very first sale... Um, my first actual sales job uh, was door-to-door alarm and security products. Although I will say that preceding time period in my life, I was selling, uh, I started off selling Cutco knives. I did that for like t- three weeks. I did uh, Kirby vacuum cleaners and I also did rainbow vacuum cleaners while I was in high school. So that's kind of how I got into sales. And then my first real sales job uh, was going door to door selling alarm systems to residential homeowners right here in good old Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Did you have? I also noticed that we have a guitar in uh, in common. Uh, yep. w- one thing that I'm that's always interesting to me about sales and things like that, because the art of sales has been around for so long now. Um, it, it, kind of the question: Did your did your family play music or guitar or anything like that when you were growing up? My mom mandated that I play piano. Uh, while I was a child. And um, my largest regret in life is the fact that I, I quit because I love the, the, the piano. I think it's a, an amazing instrument, but I ended up moving the trumpet because I had to play something else. And then I realized that, you know, like I couldn't look cool and like, you can't get laid, you know, playing trumpet. So 
I then decided to get a guitar. And, uh, you know, the reason why I got a guitar, I got sold really hard. I was in high school and, uh, you know, I just saw like one day, like one of those beautiful, quintessentially beautiful summer days. I saw like literally 15 girls just making a circle around this tree. And I was like, what, what, what is this? And so I walked over there and I started hearing two guys playing acoustic guitar. I was like, dude, I'm the MVP of the soccer team. I'm fairly good looking in high school, but like, obviously I need to learn how to play guitar because these guys got the kick, the pick of the litter. So I went home that day and, you know, I sold my parents into buying me a guitar. God knows I couldn't afford one in high school. They got me an acoustic guitar and, you know, I fell in love with it and, uh, you know, got pretty good at it started writing some songs and stuff. And I will say that I, 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 I garnished much attention from the female population than I did trumpet or being the MVP of a soccer team. I'll, I'll definitely say that, uh, you know, learning guitar is a, man, it's, it's a cheap man's guarantee, right? It's like you could have everything wrong and you could have, oh, guitar. oh yeah, you can, you can have a guitar. And the reason that I was kind of bringing it up, if you're catching it, I know we're kind of getting butchered here, but hey, we've, we've been in sales. We're going to make it happen. We're just going to get through this thing. So ultimately where I yeah. was kind of going through with that is like your, your, your job and what you work with and your passion is actually sales. And one question I was having is like, did anybody in your family do sales? That was an, that was an example for you to say, as I get older, I'm going to go on that hunt. Was there anybody that kind of was a, uh, I would say like a, a mentor or maybe just someone you looked up to? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I remember telling my dad when I was in high school, you know, that's where I developed my passion for guitar and music. And, you know, I was young and naive enough to think like, dude, I'm going to be a total rock star. I'm going to tour the world. I'm going to party and, and have tons of girls and make a, make a huge living uh, doing that. And, you know, <laughs> as I started playing some shows and I made like $40, you know, I realized that like I couldn't buy a car, let alone an apartment and like move out on my own, you know, with that. And uh, I remember telling my dad in high school, dude, like, I'm never going to be like you. I'm never going to wear a suit. I'm not going to be a sales guy. I'm not going to be going around doing sales pitches and being all stuffy and business stuff. I'm gonna be a rock star. And uh, yeah, that's when I got on the Craigslist. And I just I remember the way that I felt. It was like cringe. I went into Craigslist and typed in sales jobs because I dropped out of college. I had no, no intention of graduating and being really the, 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 the well-educated, you know, legal, legal or, or doctor or engineer I had in mind for me. So I ended up getting into sales. And yes, my dad was a salesperson my entire life. Um, you know, we were in the, you know, upper middle class, we had a nice, comfortable um, lifestyle. And so dude, I was like, I'm, I'm going to get into sales. And, uh, you know, it took me two weeks to make my, my first sale. I was like, dude, I'm not cut out for this. I'm gonna go back to playing music and, <laughs> and, and trying to get, you know, chase some skirts. And then I finally got my first sale. And I was like, you know what, this ain't so bad. You know, I just made some money by can, just talking to somebody. You know, and I, I made kind of a decision right there that I was going to make my life's purpose to figure out how many times I could do that every single day is close a deal. And so that was, uh, you know, as I like to say, that was the heroin in my veins, dude. I've been addicted ever since. You know, it's kind of funny you say that because it's like, 
as you look at sales and as you look at salespeople and some of the stuff that I was thinking about, you know, as I was going to chat with you and go through this, is like, it takes a certain personality. You know, you just identified like, hey, I decided to play guitar. Then I decided to actually go and get on stage and become basically a hunter, right? I mean, that's what you're doing. You're going out there. You're trying to conquer the world and do those things. Did you, did, did you, did you find yourself... Um, kind of feeling the drug of sales. And I say that in like a good way, because I think that I'll kind of go into the next question is like a lot of salespeople will either taste the drug and become professionals, or they'll end up in eighth place and they can't get out of sales, but they're broke. They can't get any money. They can't, and they stay in that place. So as you train and, and work with salespeople and even your personal experience, what are your thoughts about kind of that whole piece of conversation well yeah and i i think that's a conversation that isn't had enough um you know i spent the first i don't know uh 10 years 11 years or so in sales being that guy that i was paying my bills i had an apartment i bought a car and i did the things uh that i wanted to do as a musician so i still chased girls i still partied a lot and i didn't have a whole lot of actual professional work ethic I was just always working to pay for my lifestyle versus really putting in the work, generating some wealth, creating some real opportunities for myself. Uh, and it wasn't really until I was maybe 25, 26 that I was like, you know what, dude, forget all the partying, forget all the girls and forget this sell uh, to survive um, lifestyle. You know, it's more like, dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really take this seriously and I'm going to attain financial success as a sales pro. And that's when everything clicked for me, man. It wasn't very long after making that decision that, you know, I was making three, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars a year. And obviously that's a, that's a game changer. Was that like a, was, was it really a decision because I've been around a lot of salespeople and there really is those salespeople that stick at number eight and number nine and, and number seven. And, and all of those different areas and they can never get there. Do you think it's, uh, do you think in sales um, it's, it's in the blood or do you think that something has to happen to, to you in your life? Or do you think you can just make the decision and then follow the script and then become successful? You know, that's a, I've been battling with, with both philosophies for, for a minute and, you know, the best way that I can answer that is how I look for salespeople now in my business is I look for people that uh, have had a, had a fucking problem, dude, that woke up one day and they're like, dude, I've had it. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm killing myself and I'm becoming a new person today. Uh, Cause that's exactly what happened to me when I was in New York. I was like, dude, I'm just, I'm done earning 45 grand a year and, you know, just slowly bearing myself into debt and, not really being able to do the things that I want to do. And so I had that like a really hard time where I struggled for a bit. And like, I woke up one day and I was like, I'm changing everything. And um, so I look for people that either have that, you know, like went through a really bad period in their life or, you know, a terrible breakup. And like, they've come to the realization, like I'm ready to go really make something out of myself. Cause those people have something larger to prove to themselves than just earning you know, the next paycheck. Um, or, or for people that are give up for the opportunity, 
to become successful. Um, in my organization, I have uh, a growing sales team. I got five people now. And it, with the exception of one person, um, everybody has moved either uh, out of state to my offices or they've moved countries. And these people, again, either have a mixture of some struggles, some problems that they're looking to overcome, and they're also leaving everything that they know for an opportunity that there ends up becoming this gap that they have to fill or this hole that they have to fill to just even make moving here and the inconvenience of, you know, taking that risk worth it. And those people usually uh, almost always perform. And over the last uh, four and a half years of business ownership and hiring salespeople, albeit I've never hired, you know, a thousand people. Uh, but out of the people that I've hired over the last couple of years in my different companies, I have never lost a salesperson. I've never had anybody quit on me uh, because I, that's what I look for. I don't look for skill. I don't look for somebody that has, you know, 25 years of sales experience. I, I, I don't care what age, I, I don't care if you're 12 years old, you want to pick up the phone and learn something because, you know, your parents aren't feeding you and you want to make your own lunch. I got you, man. I'll put you on the phones, you know? So uh, that's what I kind of look for. And, and, and so, you know, I think that as long as you got that little chip on your shoulder, as long as there's that, that, that hole of identity and self-fulfillment that you need to get filled, I got you. Like say you can, you can become great at sales because you're going to already do the things that a successful person is going to have to do in order to achieve what they're looking to do. The term comes comes to me as like hungry, right? It's just, yep, hunger. It's hungry. You know, you, you, you want your, that's a really good point. Like you're tired of where you're at. I want to change and I'll go there. And I'm going to actually take you back. Um, it was June 10th of 2020. It was your very first post on Instagram. And it says, if you're waiting for the old, if you're waiting for the old me, please check the morgue. What, what was going on during that time? Was that just, so, was that really a so, just change? Or oh, did you really have a moment of like, fuck it? Yeah, no, I had, a, I had, I've had, um, so to give you full context, and so I can really drive this home, one of my favorite is MJ DeMarco, and my favorite book of his is called Unscripted Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Entrepreneurship. And he talks about an FTM and an FTE. And so you have a fuck this moment. And then you also have a fuck this event. And we all have like hundreds of fuck this moments throughout our lives where we're just like, yeah, forget it. You know, instead of working today, I'm going to the bar. I got to blow off some steam. I'm done with this, whatever. Uh, those don't really significantly change your life. You're just having a moment where you're just like, fuck this. Then occasionally in your life, you have one, maybe two, maybe three, fuck this events where like dude it doesn't matter what's happening or who's holding you back or what people are saying you're just like like oh i'm changing everything i'm literally again like gonna kill myself and become a new person and uh that was actually my my second fuck this event i've been blessed enough to have uh, enough shitty circumstances stack up in my life where i've i've actually had two of them now and on that post um, that was actually the result of me deleting like a thousand other posts previously and just being like, I'm not that person anymore. And uh, what was happening with me at that time uh, to be vulnerable, I was going through a lawsuit. Um, I was going through a divorce. Um, I had lost all my money that I'd saved from becoming a top 1% income earner. I was in a, my second startup business and just like exhausted, like, dude, I'm tired of the partnerships I have. I'm tired of 
the, the trajectory of my life. I'm tired of all these problems. Like I'm just going to confront all of them head on. I'm going to be honest about them and vulnerable. I'm not going to be this you know, Porsche driving top ones that people kind of like know is fake anyway, because whatever. Um, and I was like, dude, fuck this. I got to change everything. You know, if, you, if, if you're looking for the old Jordan Stupar, like, dude, go check the morgue. He's dead. He's getting buried later today. You can go to his funeral. I'm a new guy and that's how I'm going to live my life. And so that was uh, the result of a, my second fuck this event in my life, according to MJ DeMarco. I, I think just the way you say it is like, it was so real. And I think that even, hey, thanks for just being like vulnerable about it. Cause you know, you run an incredible Instagram. That's how I caught you, dude. You do cool shit. You know, you show the story. You've got a photography style type background. Like it's cool shit, man. I'll be honest with you. It's really cool. And I'd also seen a couple things as I'd gone through Appreciate there. It. I, I, I do my best not to be a stalker, but to try to be a good host, you got to kind of do your homework. Um, but when you look back, I think that there was a couple of times you were running a couple business. You were trying to do some video stuff. I think it was some software stuff. And I'm not sure if that's what it was. Um, and I don't know why it just brings my brain about, but the courage to actually say fuck it is, is something that I think that people just don't have. And I think that like, laying that out is like people do have fuck it moments right it's like so many people have those moments that they can choose to say fuck it i'm gonna go for it and you know that word if people don't like that word it's the wrong podcast but i will tell you that there is a thing about that word where you're like dude i ain't fucking doing this anymore and it's a lot of like self-reflection and you're like dude that's not the old me so i i think that's that's really cool i think that um Let's, let's dive into a little bit of sales here. Let's see if we can kind of break some stuff in. And one of the questions that I was going through, because I've gone through different types of sales, and I'm sure that you have been a student of the always be closing. That probably rings a bell for you, right? Of course. And then, and then you got one more um, that's then, that became, I, I think it became weak, but maybe you can educate uh, myself even on this. We started to use the term of like consultative selling. And I would always sit back and I'm like, gosh, that just sounds like an order taker that says, I can ask you a bunch of questions, but I really am not a hunter. So I wanted to kind of just get, pick your brain on what your thoughts are between always be closing, which meant I'm going to rip your head off, take all the money that I can get from you. And when you leave, I will call you later. Or the second one is, hey, can I just, you know, tell you what to do if you like me and I kind of leave and we go from there. So where do you think this market is? And what are your thoughts on those two or three things? Really damn good question. I think I can do a good job answering this. I've been in sales for a long time. And the, the first half of my career, if you will, was probably the ABC. Dude, I'm going to make as much money as I can. I'm in it for me. When I get a deal, it's like, dude, I could care less. Like I get paid. We're all good here. And it's because of that reality and that approach that I had that Salespeople in general more or less have a, have a, a negative stigma. So when I lived in Miami, I did a, a man on the street type interview type thing. I just walked up to random people in Biscayne Park downtown and I was like, hey man, I got a YouTube channel. Can I just ask you a question? Yeah, sure. What, do you, what comes to mind when you think of the word salesperson? Not one person was like, oh dude, somebody that provides a lot of value and solves problems for me in exchange for my money. Every single person was like high pressure, pesky, um, you know, just, you know, those types of words and, and just shedding salespeople in a bad light. And, you know, again, 
it's the mentality of, you know, hey, man, let's go get this bread, you know, this, get this paycheck that ends up ruining that. Therefore, larger companies, car dealers, software companies, our account executive, here's our uh, business development rep, um, here's our uh, consultant, here's our blah, blah, blah. And it's like, now we're just soft as hell. And it's like, yeah, we're just consulting here. You know, you don't have to buy blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, that's where, that's where, you know, where with my stuparism, you know, I like ABC. I think that's kind of a cool mentality to have of, you know, always be closing. Uh, but really, you know, I'm a person. I got sell shirts that say make sales again. And the way through that, is by A, B, V, as in always bring value. As long as you're bringing value, you're entertaining somebody, you're educating them, you're, you're doing a good job of providing them with value, you don't have to worry about closing them because they're gonna make the right decision in their own best interest. You're just there along the ride to help broker that deal and help them come to their own conclusion that they need to do something about the problem that it is that, they're, that they actually have. I think that that is, I, I think that, um, I think that you nailed it because I think that at the end of the day, salespeople are the push for the organization. And I think that if you don't have people that are trying to, I don't want to say convince that kind of goes into the kind of one of the questions that I was going to bring up as well is it's like, usually sales get to a point um, when marketing meets decision time. It's, you know, Hey, look, we've got some marketing out there. Now you're going to meet our representative. And what I've seen now is that a lot of people are like, oh, because there's become better marketers, right? I mean, there really has. There's people have become better marketers. The closer to marketing is, has gotten closer over the years. Um, wh what do you think that as people go from, from marketing to sales, what is the true job of that salesperson? What, what, is, their, what is their job? Good question. <clears throat> I think one of the main reasons why I think salespeople still have a job is to provide people with information and an experience that they can't find online. Um, I can buy pretty much anything online, you know, Verizon and, and you know, T-Mobile and, 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 and AT&T, for instance, selling cell phones. Dude, I can easily switch from Verizon over to AT&T, get my phone delivered, you know, switch out the data, ship my phone back to Verizon or buy it out and keep it or whatever. Um, but, you know, I still prefer to go in the store because, you know, I might have some questions about some accessories or I might need some help putting the glass on my screen so it doesn't crack, whatever. Um, so that's bullet point number one is salespeople exist to help fulfill the needs and desires of the people that can't really get that information or anything online. Additionally, um, marketing, you know, it does a good job of promoting the message and getting people aware of everything. And ultimately, I think that salespeople, uh, by the time they have an opportunity with somebody, I think, you know, they're, they're really, the, the customer is probably about 70 to 80% down the field. The salesperson's really just helping them either kick that field goal or put that thing in the end zone and take them the last, you know, 20, 30 yards down the field. And I think the way that we do that is providing people with the information and an experience that they can't find anywhere else or can't find online. And, um, you know, I keep on telling salespeople that they need to think more like marketers. And I keep on telling marketers that they need to uh, think more like salespeople because 
the, the, those, it, dude, it, it's 2.30 at night. The bar has been closed and sales and marketing, dude, they're, they're at bed. They're in bed. They're, they're having, they're making whoopee. They're making babies and they're hanging out. And, and that's where, dude, your, your, your salesperson, they have to be kind of be entrepreneurial within the company or organization that they work in to brand themselves, create a bit of audience and really kind of become the face of the company so that they can solve problems for people and create their own inbound opportunities and become an authority in that space. And that's one thing that I did at my last sales job. And that's one thing I, you know, kind of train and teach people uh, to do these days is there's, there's so much more involved in sales these days than just making an outbound phone call and, you know, scheduling an appointment. You know, there's, there's a lot of uh, tools that are at our disposal that we can use to, grow our businesses and generate revenue as well as in income. Yeah, I, I think that that's true, man. I think that as you as salespeople, we run into like, you run into a lot of objections. And one of the ones that I think that is kind of interesting to get some feedback on this is like, you think price is a real objection, objective objection? Um, I think that price can be real. For instance, uh, right now, you know, I can't afford a, a Bugatti, you know, I don't have uh, the 1.2, 1.3 just sitting in the bank plus whatever you need for insurance and maintenance and storage and all. So I don't have that. Um, so, you know, if I go to the Bugatti dealership. Oh, so, so, so you just let it out. You don't have that just ready to spend. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah I, I, and plus I live in Wisconsin. Do I really want my Bugatti covered in salt and sand? You know, probably not, you know. But so it's like if I go to the Bugatti dealership, regardless of how good that salesperson is regardless of how perfect that bugatti is if i tell you i can't afford it like <laughs> i can't afford it in which case price can be a real objection however if i am a qualified buyer price is usually not a real a real thing and the thing that i i end up really kind of training people on and i'll give your audience a bit of a nugget here is that the 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 mass uh, the majority of objections are a result of your customer not even being aware of what the objection is because they don't really they don't need to think about it. It's not probably the price if they're qualified. It's not that they're um, needing to talk to. It usually stems from the fact that they're comparing the decision to do business on this product to all the bad decisions that they've made previously. So, in, in which case, you know, for for instance, my business, I sell sales training. It's cringeworthy. People have had bad with it and I'm expensive you know it's thousands of dollars to work for me people pay it all the time because people get results but the point that I'm trying to make is is that when I'm trying to get somebody's credit card number and they want to buy and they're sold and they still give me objections it's not because again they need to think about it or any of those things all that they're doing is they're in the back of their head unaware of it because it's their subconscious they're thinking about all the books they have on the bookshelf that they paid hundreds of dollars for that they never read. They're thinking about the gym membership, you know, that they bought for a hundred bucks a month that they only went to twice and never got a six pack. They're thinking about um, the, the $40,000 they put into their backyard for building a pool for their kids that their kids only use once a month. And they're like, yeah, I don't think I'm actually going to do the work. I don't think I'm actually going to get results. And so it, if you're in the audience and you're in sales, there, there's usually one or two reasons why somebody isn't buying from you. And it has nothing to do with, I got to talk to my spouse or VP and I, it, whatever. It's always, am I going to use it? And do I need it right now? Like, dude, the reason why uh, most people suck at selling life insurance isn't 
because their prices are higher because people don't actually want life insurance. It's because, dude, I'm alive right now. <laughs> my wife is fine. My kids are fine. That's I'm fine. True. Dude, that's so true. I'm alive right now. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't fucking need it. And so, so the, the best way to get around it, if there's any life insurance agents on here, okay. dude, you just tell people, dude, I know why you haven't decided to do this yet. It's because you don't, it's because you don't think that you need it right now. You don't and the okay. truth is, yeah. Jason, yeah. you yeah. don't, you don't need it right now. We're here talking. We're here at Starbucks. Everything is groovy, baby. It's, so true, but right? you, it's like, it's like, I'm not even dying. I'm not even yeah. dying. Yeah, <laughs> dude, you're, so you're young. You're young, you're healthy. And it, you know, it's not like you woke up today and you're like, shit, like a meteor is going to fall from the sky and kill me. And my family is going to be up a creek without a paddle. It's like, people don't think about that stuff, but we still don't know what the future is going to hold, which is exactly why people buy life insurance. Wouldn't you agree? Sign right here. Make sure that you take out all of the, uh, mitigate yourself from any risk of the unpredictable, which is basically life. Which I think like is a good point what you just brought up. And that is like one thing that is a part of this, of salesmanship is creating the story, is creating the vision, creating what is it going to look like having this product? When you have this product, what does that feel like? What would if it, and, and if you don't have a salesperson, right? How many people out there? I guess that anybody that's in life insurance, a great episode for you. But at the end of the day, if you look at that, you're absolutely right. It's like until I really understand the vulnerability that I have without life insurance, then I don't really take anything in account to make the decision. So in training people, is that part of how you set the stage? Do you start looking at, you know, hey, you, you need to start setting the stage as you go through the conversation that you're actually tapping the vision with the product at the same time, instead of just, hey, how do I close this? I'm actually preparing it. How, how do you find yourself yeah. thinking about that, like that picture? Yeah. So, you know, the, the thing that I'm trying to do in my, you know, my demonstration presentation where we're actually talking about the product or service is I want to generate specific emotional responses from you. I want you to think to yourself, like, oh my God, thank God. I, I don't have to do it the way that I'm doing it right now. Or, oh my God, I get to save time here. Or maybe I'm not helping you experience any relief. Maybe I'm just empowering you to feel more confident, more competent, more creative, so on and so forth. I want to I want to pull out those emotions in you, because obviously people know that you know people uh, get sold on emotion and they end up buying with logic. The problem is, is when you know we we get all emotional and I get you all feeling all groovy and awesome about the product. Now I'm like, hey dude, give me your money, and now all of a sudden, all those warm fuzzy feelings, all the laughter, all the inside jokes, all the the cool stuff that you just enjoyed, dude, it flies right out the window. It's, it's gone. And now your customer, they went from emotional state to a logical state, but the logical state is being veiled behind the subconscious. And that's where you're getting, yeah, you know, I, I, I got to think this over, got to sleep on it. I got to check with somebody, give me next week, we'll do this next quarter, so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, that's where most people get stuck, unless, of course, you know how to get that conversation put back into the neocortex, where somebody's going to be thinking on this again from a logical standpoint, well, yeah, I can't afford this. And yeah, it is going to help get me this ROI if I do the work or I use it correctly, whatever. And so 
um, instead of offering pricing discounts, financial incentives, free trials, and all, all that bullshit, salespeople need to tighten up their training game and understand how to actually, you know, go from a logical uh, conversation to a subconscious conversation, identify that, and then be able to pull it back into a logical conversation. So th that's what I try to do on my sales pitches. Uh, and I will say it works fabulously because that's the real process of what's going on in my buyer's brain. You look, you learned how to, you learned how to play guitar with sales. You said, I'm going to pull these people in, play some music and make it happen. I noticed, I noticed something that uh, another thing, as I was kind of going through all this is you're, you're getting yourself into the 3am and the 4am club. What has that yes. done to you, dude? Dude. Um, it was all an accident at first, you know, I, it was like one random day where you, we all happened to wake up at like two 30, you know, you like, I got to use the bathroom or, you know, you had a bad dream or maybe you had a really good dream who knows, but you, you wake up and, uh, that day, you know, I realized that I kind of went to bed a little bit earlier than usual and I got probably enough sleep, but like I was wired, bro. I was bright eyed and bushy tailed ready to get my day started at like two 57. I'm like, you know what? I run a business. I got some stuff I could probably do. Maybe I'll go back to sleep and wake up later, but like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go work. And uh, I was sitting in my kitchen, getting some work done. I put my head up and it's like eight o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, dude, I just worked for five hours. And like, also, dude, I worked for five hours without a single distraction because <laughs> I don't know anybody that's up at three 30, ready to try to call me or shoot me a yeah, Slack message or yeah there's it's completely focused and completely quiet work and uh you know that's where i i started conditioning myself to start waking up and you know i, I wake up pretty much every single day at three o'clock without an alarm my body is just ready to wake up i've been doing that for about 18 months oh you're deep into it yeah i've been doing it for about a year and a half i and like man the amount of work time are you going to bed I'm usually going to bed uh, probably between 7.45 to like nine o'clock, really kind of depending on my energy level or, you know, what I've, what I've kind of got going on. But, you know, usually by nine o'clock, you know, it's lights out and you do the math nine to three, that's six hours of sleep. And I've always been kind of a, I've always been a five to six hour type of guy. And so, um, you know, I, I get plenty of sleep at six hours. Dude, that's it's crazy like how many things that you can do i think it's also a testament like salespeople can change the way they're doing their game like be willing to actually change the game like your outcomes aren't just what you're doing right now it's like wait a minute there's some outside if you're into uh quantum physics right it's like many times it's a, it's about what is happening around you is really what ends up affecting what's happening during the actual moment or the conscious moment there's a, there's a saying, there's a saying that um, was in sales for a very long time. And it was probably because it, it kept the drug of sales. But what do you think about the saying of work hard, play hard? I love it, dude. I'm a huge fan of it. Um, I have to, I balance it out a little bit better than I used to. Um, you know, I used to think that it's like, Hey, I'm going to work really hard for like six hours and go party my ass off for eight and do that lifestyle. Uh, now, you know, I'm very disciplined. I, I don't go out like hardly ever. I live a very boring life because I'm always being productive um, and, and repetitive. That's the, that's how you really get ahead in life. But 
um, you know, these, these days, like, you know, I work until I'm like, I need to get out of town for, for a little while. And that's where, you know, I hit the wife up, I'll buy some airline tickets. We'll get out of the country for four or five days, go to Punta Cana or something all inclusive lay in the sun. Dude, where's that? Punta Cana. Dude, I've never heard of it, dude. Dude, you got to get down there. Punta Cana is in uh, the Dominican Republic. I've been there like six times in the last couple of years. Really? It's amazing, man. Is it like a is it like a Spanish type thing? Is it Mexico kind of thing? What so it technically technically it it's Dominican, uh, but it is Spanish speaking, uh, which I really enjoy since uh, practicando mi español todos los días. I like to I like to speak some Spanish when I can. I'm not fluent or anything, but it's cool to it's cool to be that person in a different country attempting to speak their language because. You know, people think that it's cute and funny and stuff. So, you know, I'm like, ah, that's cool. I'm a white boy trying to speak some Spanish. I um, I actually speak Mitnoi uh, of Thai. So uh, really, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I spent over a year in Thailand, and actually last night we just went to Thai and ate food, and you know, I could do the whole order food and talk with them. How long I've lived there and all thing, and you know, when you talk about the um the ability to make friends, right, is sometimes putting yourself in a position to kind of have something that's a little bit different. And anybody that I've ever talked with or I work with is like, try to make yourself a little bit different, right? Set yourself apart. Like, why is it they're, they're going to find a million people out there, you know, set yourself apart in kind of like different ways. Do you, do you find yourself studying Spanish at all? Yeah, I do. Uh, not as much as I really want to, but yeah, I mean, any chance that I can pick up some new vocab or, you know, something to say, you know, I, I, I love it. I, I think what I love most about it is that it's, it's not natural. Like us speaking English, you know, like, sure, we look for the right words to say or the right, right way to phrase things. But, you know, um, in another language, you have those limitations. And so you have to acknowledge those limitations and creatively kind of work your way around it which, um, you know, I think is a great brain exercise, but I think it's, uh, you know, if, if somebody comes here that doesn't really speak English, but they know a couple words, like, dude, I'm going to be, I'll slow down for them. I'll really pay attention. I'll try to help them the best that I can. And there's, there's some really unique human relationships that you can establish without even really understanding your language, but body language and all the other ways that we communicate with each other. I just find it fascinating that, I can go to a different country. Like uh, I was in, I was in Dubai um, a couple of months ago. I was in the Maldives a couple months ago. Um, I've been to nine countries and I love being in different countries and having the opportunity to be limited. You know, it's, it's fascinating to me. That's cool. So there's, there's a saying, and I think that this is like a really good one. um, But you know, it's sell me this pen. Uh, What do you think people get wrong about that? I think that they think that it's, it's tricky, you know, it, when it's, it's really not, you know, it's whether you need the pen or if you're going to ever, ever need one, if you don't ever need one, then I'm not going to try very hard to sell you a pen, but chances are pretty decent. You know, you going out tonight. Yeah. I'm going out tonight. Cool, man. What are you going to do when you pay your tab? Need a pen or or something, any, anything you have to create a, a need or a use case for the, for the product. And then obviously, you know, hey, the only reason why you wouldn't buy this because you don't think you're going to have to write your name down anywhere. You know, when's the last time you had a bar tap? When's the last time you went out to eat? When's the last, you know, 
I, so I, that's, that's the way I, I look at it. I, I think something that's really cool about sales is um, I think that the, the barrier of mental entry is sometimes difficult for people. Um, I think that the barrier of who, you know, what family members might say something about me or what friends, you know, the amateur and things like that. But the thing I think that's really cool about sales, and I think that you would agree with this, or maybe you can kind of elaborate on it too, but you kind of get pulled into a whole group of people that sell. And then you end up like meeting like-minded people. You end up going to maybe conferences or maybe somewhere they meet you or something. And then you just kind of, you end up kind of being a part of this little family. What do you, what do you think about that? I wholeheartedly agree. You know, I, I, I love sales culture. Um, I like hanging out with people that, you know, want to get more out of life. Uh, you know, being in sales, you can, you know, if you're halfway decent, you can print your own income on, on demand, you know? And so I like being around people that understand that aspect of it, where it's not just a job, you know, um, where, where people can look at it from the, 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 the perspective of I'm in control of my income. And when people kind of really realize that, you know, there's a lot of self-development there. And ultimately, you know, when you can get around those people, you know, there's tons of free information everywhere, the way they speak, the way they carry themselves, the habits that they have. Um, and, you know, you can easily kind of, you know, duplicate the things that you really like to see. And, you know, you take your own personality and you kind of tailor it to something you start becoming your own individual using the law of success and, and the things that help people, you know, do well at what they do. Well, when we started this podcast, I was going to do it. I prepared. I was going to have a lot of fun with this. So I'm still going to throw it out there, but I'm going to do a lightning round real quick with you. I'm going to see if I can get your answers. But before I did that, I was trying to do my work. So I basically had some whiskey here. I brought a shotgun shell and I brought a decanter and I was going to have a glass of whiskey with you. But our whole thing was so, our, our, uh, <laughs> our whole thing was off with our <laughs> so if i got tequila there, well i'll have a shot I'll have a, a little shot with you let's do it because i'm gonna do a little i've actually i've actually never had a shot over a podcast on a zoom call this is actually really fun so this is um some texas whiskey um for marketing, it said whiskey advocate top 20. So of course I would get it, you know, but this is lineage Texas whiskey. What do you got there? I'm uh, working with a of Casamigos Reposado tequila. Dude, I like it. You stayed in Mexico. I dig it. All right. All right. So we're going to do a lightning round after this real quick, but hey, to health, a lot of sales, Congratulations on getting married and, ha and having a, uh, I believe you're having a child. Is that right? Yep. Having a baby girl in July. So congratulations to that. And uh, here's a little drink to you. Toast. Appreciate it. Delicious. So here's your, um, here's your lightning round question. Are you ready? Let's go. Tell me that doesn't just change things. <laughs> that, that does it right there. All right, so here's your lightning round. What would you rather sell? Executive jets, the chopper at the swap meet. You know what that is? The chopper at the swap meet. You ever see that guy? He takes the, um, 
he takes like the little vegetables and then he goes chicka, 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 and he's like hey you guys can buy the oh it's amazing but if you've ever oh yeah, yeah yeah okay starts doing that little chopper thing so you got okay. exec, executive executive uh jets the chopper at the swap meet knives on qbc high-end cufflinks to celebrities or pencils to schools that guarantee you 25 million dollars a year but you have to present to 18 year old teachers men and women which one do you choose would you oh, like me to man. repeat them <clears throat> no i i think i got them all um You know, I, I think, I mean, this is the lightning round. So the first thing off the top of my head is I, I'll take the $25 million for pitching pencils to teachers. I'm down with that. All right. All right. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. E easy work because you never said I actually had to sell anything. I just got to pitch my 25 mil. Well, Jordan Stuber, this has been awesome, man. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for working with us on this whole thing that going here. How do people find you, man? People can find me pretty much anywhere on social media at Jordan Stupar. Um, that's uh, S-T-E-R. And uh, obviously, if you're looking for some more information, taking the sales to the next level, making more money, more confidence, uh, you can always visit stupacademy.com or just jordanstupar.com. You'll, uh, you'll find me in any locations. Well, thank you very much, my friend. Let's see if we can end this thing out. Thank you very much for the Move Entrepreneur Ball podcast at the close, buddy. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Move is to entrepreneurs.